Peter Mullen is here. Peter, this is uh, firstly good. Good afternoon. You only just made it in. You're putting some money in the meter. I was, Matt. I didn't want to get a parking <laughs> ticket over here at the uni. Oh, they're vicious. <laughs> they're vicious. Trust me on that one with the parking tickets. All right. Um, today, and you're going to try and sneak another food topic past us at lunchtime. So do your worst, mate. What do we got today? Today we're talking about um, the food pyramid mm-hmm. and how that's changed over the years and how I believe it still could be tweaked even a little bit more beneficially. So more chocolate, less chips? Right on lunchtime, more green stuff for you. <laughs> now, I guess this is one of those things that, that kind of changes. We we start by going back to the 1980s and the, this concept of the food pyramid happened. This was all in around where we thought that being fat-free was the way to go. Yeah, look, it was developed by Nutrition Australia in 1980 to introduce to the population the concepts of nutrition, healthy eating, um, using labels like... Um, you know, eat more of this, eat less of this. And it was sort of all around the height of the fat-free craze. So the fat-free craze kind of came around when they, on autopsy, found that people's blood vessels were clogged with cholesterol. So that's where the idea came, well, fat's bad for us, animal fat's bad for us. You know, it clogs our, passively clogs up our arteries. So we really need to cut out or cut down on the red meat or cut it out. And all the no-fat or low-fat products were introduced like margarine was made rather than have mm-hmm. butter um, all the low-fat cheeses came out etc so the idea was that um, fat was seen as the key culprit in heart disease and bad health and we were told to restrict dietary fat to less than 30 percent of the total calories so the old pyramid had as the basis um, eat most cereals and grains and fruits and vegetables but you know obviously um, you know, we probably all went more the cereals and grains and, you know, bread and um, pasta and, um, you know, even things like rice. Yeah, and didn't we and, ever? Yeah, so it really became a thing. You know, you wanted to eat more of the complex carbs particularly. And then eat moderately was things like lean meat, legumes, poultry, fish, nuts and eggs, yogurt, milk and cheese. And then margarine was next. That was literally margarine was on the food pyramid. And then butter was next. And then sugar was at the very top. So, um, yeah, so even even to think that we'd have margarine, because margarine, just interestingly, margarine was originally made um, from trans fats because they found with trans fats. So just can I digress sideways? Please do. Please do. (laughs) Um, So trans fats originally were made by hydrogenating um, polyunsaturated fats. So they took polyunsaturated oils, which were a liquid at room temperature. They partially hydrogenated them again by bubbling hydrogen through the fats, changing the fatty acid bonds, and it would t- turn it into a semi-solid, grey-looking grease. Mm. And then they just, and they and they found that these these fats would last for ages, would last forever. They wouldn't go off. Hence why they'd make them in baked goods and things like that that have a really long shelf life. Of course, then that particular colouring is not going to be too attractive on your, your golden toast, so hence the colour that's added. Absolutely. So the colour was added to make it look like butter mm-hmm. and then salt and you know other flavouring agents. And that sort, of, that sort of was how margarine was born. But there's quite a bit of um, research or thoughts went into that margarine in the old days particularly was very hard for us to digest because we actually couldn't 
digest these trans fats with the way they've been changed around. It is interesting, isn't it? I've got this almost, it's not really a theory, it's more of a, a, a line that the more scientific your food sounds, the more, <laughs> more concerned we should be about it. <laughs> well, look, it's a classic, isn't it, really, when you think about it? The more chemicals, mm. the more we've had to do with the food, the more we've had to artificially add flavours and colours and stuff. Mm. you know it's the further away from the way it was intended and we're going to have more problems with it. I love a couple of things with that too is that the the trend of the day it has seemed to have changed. Like back when it was it was all about fat-free, when that was came out of the fat versus sugar uh, debate which went on for the decades before that and the uh, margarine, the trans fats, which we now have a lot more information about, shall we say. Yeah, definitely and definitely. And keep in mind it was the fats that were seen to contribute to weight and weight problems as mm. well back in those days. All right. Uh, good afternoon, Kathy at Spears Point. Kathy, you want to talk to Peter about some bowel issues today? Yes. Yes, I would like to. Yes. Yep. Go Hello, for Kathy. it, Kathy. Okay, Peter. Um, I've been through, like many people, for a stressful year. Um, but it's also, you know, to do with my husband that um, has not been able to walk because of transverse myelitis. Um but also a fan within myself. I'm so grieving and, and so stressful in my stomach that um, every time I use my bowels, it just every time I eat something, it goes straight through me. Okay. How long? How long has that been going on for, Kathy? This year. Okay. Okay. I, I've been. I've been and had blood tests and ultrasounds and um, CT scans and. And I'm waiting for results. I had a bowel test. Everything was clear. But um, I'm still feeling um, sick within my stomach. Yeah. Like it's turning constantly. And yeah. like I've got an acid buildup that um, is causing me pain. Okay. And I just wanted to find out if there's something that I can coat my stomach with. Or I've been taking... Um, uh, those acidophilus. Yep, like a probiotic. Yes. Yep, perfect. Well, look, the 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 best thing you've done, Kathy, is to get this thoroughly investigated. So you've done the right thing, seeing the GP, getting a CAT scan done, um, getting your stool tested for blood. Hopefully, um, you know, like getting things thoroughly tested. Whenever there's a change of bowel habits or consistent bowel symptoms, always important to get that checked out thoroughly. Now, what you can do in the meantime, like is, is it definitely sounds like you've, you've got a few things going on. You've definitely got an irritated or an irritable bowel and you've also got some issues there with your stomach with heartburn and reflux. Yes. So a couple of tips. Number one, make sure that um, you need to make sure, particularly with all the stress with your husband being unwell, that you are making sure that you eat every day and that you eat you know, breakfast, lunch and dinner and then maybe a small snack, morning and afternoon tea, if you can. I know. Just the smell of food makes me feel sick. I know, I know. Well, at the moment, just go with whatever you feel like eating. Um, if you make a nice chicken soup or if you've got family members that can make a nice soup for you, that's nice and easy on your digestion. Um, things like grilled fish and um, well-cooked veggies. Don't do the crunchy veggies. Do the well-cooked steamed veggies. Like yeah. but you need to be scrambled eggs might be okay, but you need to be making sure you have those three meals a day. Yeah. And the other thing that you can do, two things you can do. 
Get some um, slippery elm powder. That's what I was thinking. Yes, yeah, slippery... I worked in pharmacy and... Um, Perfect. That, that was in my mind, slippery elm. Yeah, well, get some slippery elm powder and um, mm. take a teaspoon of that, either mixed in a little bit of warm water to a paste and then add a bit of apple juice to it to just yeah. dilute it a bit. Or if you have trouble swallowing it like that, you can mix it in a bit of mashed banana or a bit of yogurt. And yogurt's the other thing that might sit all right on your tummy at the moment, a good quality Greek-style yogurt. Yes, I have. Um, I bought the probiotic um, yogurt. Perfect. But I, ha- I just haven't been able to get my head around sticking it in my mouth. I know, but start with small sips, even if you have to you know, put some blueberries or even trickle a bit of maple syrup on it. You've got to get starting to eat. But um, try the slippery on powder. So do a teaspoon three times daily before meals. And the other thing that you might find works okay is take a little bit of psyllium husk. Yeah. Take a teaspoon. Just start with a teaspoon in a glass of water before you go to bed of a night time. It's the Fab Four at Sue and URFM. As we come back with Peter Mullen with Health and Wellbeing, the guy that probably would look like John Lennon with those John Lennon glasses, I reckon. He'd look like... No? Well, I've, I'm a bit thin on top. I'm sure he had hair. Yeah, I know, but, you know, we'll get you Think some so. hair too. I think I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. Same though. talent level, was it, maybe. Was it meant as a compliment? It was. Yeah, um, all I'll right, so we, we started with the food pyramid as it was um, back in the early 80s. We fast forward through time a little bit. We see a few changes. A few things have been added and a few things have been taken away um let's start with the let's start with the most and get to the least well so with the with the latest health um healthy eating pyramid and this is again from nutrition australia um this is 2015 i think it's their latest one um now despite nearly 40 years of you know the evolution with our with our food pyramid we're still getting unfortunately fatter and fat itself is still seen as the enemy so you know what are we doing wrong so the new pyramid, one good thing is that they do have in the corner of that to choose water. And that's I'm a big fan of that. Like one of the best things we can do from a health point of view is only drink water. Mm-hmm. You know, fruit, unless you make, you know, fresh fruit juices like cold-pressed veggie juices or whatever, really, or, or have, you know, herb teas or maybe a little bit of good quality tea or the odd coffee. Essentially choosing water where we can. And there's another, water when we can. another addition in there which uh, I love is the uh, enjoy herbs and spices. They're really things you can add that aren't really adding to the actual amount of food that you eat, aren't they, really? Well, look, they're, they're adding herbs and spices just while we're on that um, little part. Mm. Um, it's a great way to sort of supercharge your food. Like the herbs and spices are really could be classed as um, superfoods. And you were saying before we started that you regularly add a few things to your diet. What Absolutely. were those? What were those herbs? Oh, turmeric was number one. It yeah. goes in. Um, yeah. uh, paprika. Yep. And even cinnamon on occasion. But definitely the other two. Every, just about every cook meal at home. You have turmeric. You will and paprika. Find Absolutely. Well, turmeric, as you know, is probably one of the most mm. um, well-researched herbs in the world and has a host of health benefits. So, adding turmeric to everything is an awesome idea. It's an antioxidant, liver detoxifier. May help the immune system with things like cancer, even. So um, it's a really good part of a preventative diet. May help to regulate blood sugar. May help with mood, brain inflammation. So <laughs> it's failing on the mood, everywhere. I think, <laughs> for the amount that I eat. <laughs> it's failing somehow. Now you said that. Yeah. Not me. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I just um, can only paprika. use myself as a case, case example. Go um, paprika. Paprika. Paprika is a really good antioxidant. It's a good blood cleanser. Good for the circulation. And cinnamon. Cinnamon. Good quality. 
the right type of cinnamon has really shown a lot of great benefits for helping to balance blood sugar. So yeah, so they're on the they're on the bottom corner of that food pyramid. We also see fruits, uh, veggies, still at the, the 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 good end, which is good, and uh, they've chucked in legumes as well this time. Yeah, so fruits, veggies, um, yeah, and legumes now takes the place of the cereals and grains. Like originally, it was fruits, veggies, and cereals and grains. Now it's fruits, veggies, and legumes, which is definitely better. And then the next tier up is your cereals and grains. So less of your cereals and grains. And then the next tier up is your milk, yogurt, cheese, and alternatives. And then your lean meat, poultry, fish, eggs, um, seeds, and legumes. And then your healthy fats are right at the top. So definitely um, a move in the right direction as far as I can see. But um, I'm going to come up with a suggestion in the final section of what I think an ideal food pyramid would actually look like. Well, but, um, I love this thing that's just off to the side of the pyramid. It's actually been completely uh, removed, and that is uh, with a big cross next to it, limit salt and added sugar. Yeah, true, true. Mm. That's keen. Is That's that's really cool. The end, that's all you got on sugar? <laughs> really? <laughs> well, no, sugar, sugar is the white cocaine of the food industry, and um, it's a terrible substance, and basically it shouldn't be. We shouldn't be adding it anywhere in our diet. But um, do you want an interesting story? Go for it. So I had a lady this week and we were talking about her diet and she was struggling. Um, well, she was working on trying to lose some body fat. And um, I was talking to her about sugar and how that, you know, sugar anywhere in your diet is going to stop you from getting into fat burning. And she said, but I don't have sugar in my diet. And I said, well, hang on a minute. What did you have for breakfast? And she said, I had cornflakes. And, you know, cornflakes have probably got sugar in them anyway. But um, any cereal or grain, like cereals and grains, like bread, for instance, is one of the most processed foods we'll eat because we take an indigestible, undigestible grain and then we mill it and then we cook it under extreme temperatures. We use yeast to make it rise, so to make it into a form that we can actually break down and get the carb, mostly carbs out of it. Mm. So um, she had cornflakes for breakfast, no added sugar in her mind. Um, she had milk on the cornflakes and milk has sugar in it. And then I said, okay, so what did you have after that? She said, I had an English muffin. So again, bread breaks down to starch, which is basically sugar. And she had some honey on her English muffin. So I was a bit cheeky. I said to her, well, you may as well have just had six to eight teaspoons of sugar for your breakfast. But it's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, we think we're not adding things in because you're not physically. Don't realize Because you're not going to the sugar. In this case, we're talking sugar and adding, you know, yep. four teaspoons. But, yep. you know, well, in that example, she may say, well, look, hey, I'm cutting. I'm only having one teaspoon in my sugar in my tea instead of two. So I'm winning, but not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. so cereals and grains. So that, that seems to be a bit of the, a common theme with, um, you know, for a lot of people. Interestingly... Just as many people lose body fat on a low-fat diet, though, as what they do on a low-carb diet. So there is still, mm. you know, there's still sort of room for, um, and and I think we'll talk about that in the next section. But different body types will do different with a, will do better, particularly if we're talking about weight loss with a different approach. Some better with low fat, some better with low carb. Peter, we're, we're trekking through the food pyramid, right? We, we started in the 80s where it was all about fat-free. They've made the adjustments in the last few years and you reckon they're a lot better. Um, there are a few things that you would maybe, a, a few little sharpening of the edges you, you would like to see added for us to maximise our food pyramidism. 
It was good till it wasn't, right? <laughs> it was good till it wasn't. Um, run, yeah, out so, of, run out of steam. As I was saying in that last section, so from a from a diet point of view, I think some people do better with a low a lower fat diet mm. because I think we've all gone a bit crazy. Doesn't suit everybody to be you know splashing olive oil every here and cooking everything in coconut oil and you know really throwing in the fats. Some people it seems to help, particularly. With weight loss, some people do well on almost a, or a keto style of diet, which is a higher fat, low, very low carb, mm. healthy protein or slightly higher protein. But um, So there's two options I want to give the listeners. So one is a, a food pyramid that's more along the keto style. And um, basically the keto style diet has your healthful, healthful fats and veggies as your bottom tier. Then the next tier up, so that's including that's fats now being incorporated, not from an amount, but from a caloric contribution. Yeah, and point healthy of view. fats, of course. So healthy fats and veggies are in the bottom tier, and then we have the next row up. We have the protein, and protein is always grass-fed, organic meat and poultry, organic pasteurized eggs, fish, um, raw organic dairy, um, if you can tolerate dairy. Um, and then next on the list is fruits. And again, fruits in um, moderation because fruits do still contribute sugar. And at the very top of this list, interestingly, is your complex carbs, bread, cereal, pasta, potatoes, corn, rice, corn, rice, and grain products. So this is basically, as I was saying, it's more a ketogenic style, low carb, higher fats, lots of good quality fruits or lots of good quality vegetables, limit your fruits, and good quality meats. Now, the other dietary and this is from canada um i think last year 2019 they put out a new food pyramid and it caused quite a um a disruption across the world in all the dietitian sort of circles because instead of a pyramid canada put out well, a more plate. of a trapezoid or something was it a trapezoid <laughs> like a different shape <laughs> <laughs> no it was it was it was a plate see it was a okay. plate not a pyramid uh-huh. and what they had they had number one they had uh, consume water. Water is your only drink of choice, only liquid of choice. And then they had to. I know, that, I, know, I know it's easy to say, but gee, that's that's still bloody hard, though, Peter. I mean, I, I see again. You've got to be fair. It's easy to say. I mean, but yes. And um, there are going to be occasions where that's not going to happen. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> see, hence the disruption. <laughs> that's all I can say to that. Yes. Um, but yeah, so Canada came out with more of this low-fat concept. So they had half. So imagine a dinner plate. Half of the plate was vegetables, salad, and fruit. Okay. And I'm a big fan of that, as high a plant-based diet as possible. And I do love that Mediterranean style of eating. A quarter of the plate was your protein and your fats. Mm-hmm. So there was chicken, there was fish, there was lamb or beef, there was. Um, lentils, there was nuts and seeds, there was chickpeas. So, you know, protein sources from lots of different different sectors. And then a quarter of the plate was your complex carbohydrates, your brown rice, your organic, like your wholemeal pastas. Your... That doesn't seem too different to what we what you know what we've been talking about just in the last couple of minutes. Just it's on a plate instead of in a triangle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what what I liked about the Canadian was like you could literally see by looking at your dinner plate where that's that a, arrangement yeah, it's was. Yeah, fair point. It's more of a graph. It's more of a it's graph. A, it's a pie graph. Man loves his pie charts. Yeah, just yeah, not yeah. the pie. Yeah, that sounds like a Homer Simpson thing, doesn't it? Yeah, Love probably his pie charts. Probably. Um, 
yeah, so that, but I like that. But it's more, it's more, and for some people, you know, some good quality cereals and grains, I think, are really beneficial, particularly for our good gut bugs. So you kind of got to work out what's what's the best approach for you, because even a diet high in fat and animal protein may upset your gut flora. So we want to have the healthy gut bugs. So it's still a matter of trying to work out what's going to be best for your digestive system for you to eat long term yeah good point what works for you might be different for me and what would uh, you know quite possibly be different to um uh, to kathy earlier on just all yeah different. absolutely yeah. absolutely everyone's different and keep in mind too the plate or the pie grape making sure that the, it's not the biggest plate in the world either so you don't <laughs> want a massive amount portion sizes maybe but, maybe um, a bread and butter size plate do you think possibly peter possibly. A, gr- a great trek today through uh the food pyramid uh, may, may be at a, a pyramid. History of food pyramids, yeah. History. Yeah. All right, we'll catch you next week for another Health and Wellbeing. You have a great week and stay safe, and I think the parking meter fuse about to expire. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, wellbeing, pet care, finance, business, and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>